podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey gang, quick bit of housekeeping for you before we start the show. And this is only relevant to those of you who listen to us on the Apple Podcast app or via Apple. So if you don't move along, as the great Obi-Wan Kenobi would say, nothing to see here. But if you do listen to us via Apple, listen carefully, particularly if you're an old school listener of the show. Before we became the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN, when we were the NFL show, you would have got the show updated when we moved without having to do a thing. But that's because the old show had a divert put on it. So to check, you're subscribed to the new feed because the old one is going to go pretty soon. Check out the Nat Coombe Show. Search for it on the app via the podcast browse section or the store section if you're looking on the desktop and find our show and see if it shows whether you're subscribed or not. If you are, great, you're on the right feed. If you're not, hit subscribe and delete the old one. So head on over, not in your library, but actually onto Apple. Search the Nat Coombe Show. Make sure you're subscribed to the feed that you find. Simple. Good luck. Welcome to the Nat Coombe Show on ESPN. It has been a sensational 48 hours in the NFL rounds. One to three of the 2020 draft in the bag. And we're going to break them down for you. Who better than Ben Isaacs who gave us that seminal 10 things you need to know about the 2020 draft? Or how about 10 things you need to know about the 2020 draft part two coming your way right now. Ben Isaacs, great to have you back on. And it makes a huge amount of sense because the last time we spoke to you, uh, less than a week ago, it was 10 things you need to know about the 2020 NFL draft. This is like your godfather part two coming up now, right? I'm, 10 things you need to know now the draft has eh, pretty much happened. Certainly the big rounds are happened. I'm glad you went with godfather part two rather than say back to the future part two, which I rewatched on the Easter weekend. And there's just so much going on. Yeah. And it's like, this is a bit of a confusing mess. It's they ambitious. They get it back in part three. They get it back in part three, I feel, oh, with the Wild West. That's controversial. That feels like another, feels like another podcast. But yeah, I'll go with Godfather part two. The Temple of Doom. That's classic. <laughs> oh, oh man, I don't. Empire Strikes Back. Hey, there we go. You got, Empire you Strikes Back. Wow. Okay. Before we get into business, um, since your last appearance, where we talked about the, uh, horse racing machine in Las Vegas, uh, quite a few <laughs> listeners have been in touch with us about this. So have managed to, uh, do you want the good news or the bad news? Well, uh, give me the bad news first. Mm, okay. The bad news is at the moment, there isn't one of them anymore in Las Vegas. The <sighs> Sigma horse racing machine. The last one was at the MGM. So we were basically playing on the last one all those years ago. Uh, <laughs> and uh, one of our listeners fired out uh, a tweet to us, letting us know that, that it was pulled from the casino in around 2016, I think 2017. Uh, that's the bad news. The good news is, uh, I was then sent a link to a Facebook group <laughs> for oh my God. Sigma horse racing enthusiasts. There is a Facebook group with about 2,000 people on it, um, all of whom share the, the same love that we have for this wonderful thing. And uh, the company's got out of business, but they, uh, there are various venues all around the world that are trying to bring it back, the company, the, the, the game, um, and, uh, and bringing the nostalgia back into business. So we will find somewhere to go and play that game again. Even if I have to shell out thousands to have one in my home, Ben Isaac, so I will make sure that it is done. Well, if not, I think um, ESPN, uh, European headquarters in, in Hammersmith, West London, there has Great got shot. to be space in there for one of these Definitely machines. I mean, Definitely space in there. ESPN, a- make it happen. You're the worldwide leader in sports. You can do this. I'm going to talk to Ollie uh, and Harry and make sure that it is a contractual obligation. When we season two, we make sure that is in there. That is part of the rider that we want. We want one of those. So uh, that was that was my uh, Vegas Sigma horse racing news. And of course, Vegas, which was uh, touted as the venue and uh, confused as hell now, Commissioner Goodell. Uh, oh. Is it going to be what? So <laughs> what is going on? Is it is Vegas? It's not next year. It's the year after. So the Goodell misspoke. Fair enough. It was uh, he had a lot to deal with, and it was. Uh, it, all kinds of stuff going on. But I really got my hopes up. I thought, well, okay, when all this horrible coronavirus is over, we're going to be this time next year in Las Vegas. But no, 2022, it's going back to Vegas, right? Yeah, 2021 is in is in Cleveland. Uh, pause for applause. You're thrilled about um, and and then and then Vegas. I mean, I I was I was sat watching um, Goodell struggling to get any of his words out at that point. Um, with my eight year old daughter who was kind of struggling with being up so late and it was her decision not mine she demanded to be able to get up and she's like the air about isaacs <laughs> yeah, yeah i know 
I wasn't yeah. being facetious. I love it. I love the fact that uh, like my uh, my eldest day. Well, he woke up technically and and caught the, the Minnesota miracle, which is pretty much the first football he'd ever seen. Oh, and then thought, well, this is how he woke up. Came downstairs. What that happened within five minutes, and thought, this is all football is like this. <laughs> well, <laughs> it, it, it was like me as a little kid watching watching the eighty five Bears, thinking, oh, it'll be like this every year. Yeah, not so much. How many tight ends did the eighty five Bears have on their roster? Um, not ten. <laughs> Um, yeah. Unbelievably, I mean, I, I'd like to look back through the the winning rosters of every every Super Bowl winning roster and see if anyone has ten at any point, even if it was at the start of um you know start of training camp, whether any took ten tight ends into training camp. I'm not convinced that anyone's had ten train ten ten training camp tight ends or, or ten in April. I I cannot get my head around it. It's a, it's it's so bears. Something tells me the Bears aren't going to be one of your winners uh, of the uh, 2020 draft so far, but that is what we're going to break down. Ten things you need to know about. Rounds one to three are recording this uh, on Saturday morning. We thought we'd hold fire and get uh, rounds two and three in because, uh, as we said on last week's show, such a deep draft class. And you look at a lot of those names that came off the board in round two, and as you suggested, Ben, a lot of them in other years might well, uh, could well, probably would have been round one picks, and a lot of them uh, day one starters, you think, as well. So there are ten different things uh, we're going to run through. Let's start with the overall construct uh, and, and the overall execution of, of the draft logistically in broadcast terms as well. It, it, you mentioned, uh, we mentioned Commissioner Goodell and it, it, it was some incredibly awkward moments. My, my personal favorite was the every single, well, most times anyway, that it, the camera came back to him to announce the pick. He was dropping a line to the fans on the screen in a, awkward pain the, the writing <laughs> didn't improve i thought okay well each time he's, he's given he's kind of sometimes he didn't even go with words he just kind of hand gestures other times he was oh you guys come on you can do better than that and i was thinking okay at some point somebody is going to be you know, they would get on the phone to sitcom writers right now who are, are presumably not in production and just say okay for at least picks 10 to 32 let's give them some decent material uh that was that was uh who who signed that? Oh, at certain points with poor Roger Goodell, I was cringing so hard. I thought my body was going to turn inside out. It was <laughs> so hard to watch at certain times. And I I like the fact that he knows he's going to get booed, so he's decided I'm just going to own it and be like, "Yeah, come on, boo! I want I want you to I want you to boo!" Like he's kind of Vince McMahon or something. But it just that bit didn't that didn't really work. But it was wonderful being able to see inside everyone's homes right i found that absolutely fascinating i mean so much to talk we could spend a whole show on that couldn't we <laughs> yeah absolutely quite, quite frankly there was i guess things that really st- stood out for me were well cliff kingsbury 100 percent stood out for me the uh oh, the extraordinary pad that he had and it wasn't just the the, the it wasn't the style per se that was that was a you know significant but it was also the framing of the shot you know so it was got a side on <laughs> cinematic leaning <laughs> back on the slouching on the sofa with this giant screen tv about 50 meters away from him and then this expansive sculpted garden from floor to ceiling windows i mean incredible. yeah and he's in no socks he's got his loafers on up on up on the has, coffee yeah. table yeah. like bear in mind when he was coach of Texas Tech, the fans used to hold up signs saying, our coach is hotter than your coach. And this was like him saying, my house is hotter than your house. And not just because it's in Arizona. And I've been to that part of Arizona and a lot of the houses are like that. Um, I did do a little bit of research. He paid four and, look, and a half, four and a half million dollars. Amazing. That's quite stalkery. I love it. That's I know. Very journalistic of you. Very journalistic of you. Um, but the thing is, is that if you were like, Four and a half million dollars. I can't off the top of my head tell you what that is in pounds sterling. Mm. But imagine the price of that house if it was if it was in London. It'd be about fifty billion. <laughs> it's. I think he got good value. You know, forget about value draft picks. He got good value at four and a half million for that house because I looked at some other picks from the inside and it is tasty. I like the style of it, as you say, as well. I think not just the pace of it. And we were doing the broadcast live on on radio, of course, and, and Ollie was running the show there as with Greg, Brady, Will Gavin, uh, the three of us. And it was interesting, I guess, from that perspective to acclimatize. We hadn't done it before. The ESPN NFL Network hadn't done it before. So I think everybody was kind of feeding their way through a little bit. But it was the speed of it felt 
uh, on point. I think a lot of people have commented on the lack of pomp and ceremony is a good thing. Ross Tucker said that on this very show a few weeks ago that he was looking forward to the draft for, for that very reason. And I, I kind of agree. I still think it had the right balance that my view might be distorted because I was broadcasting it, but I do feel that the, the whole thing worked and it also had a, a strong, sense of uh it was very of the moment i think with the you know human elements and, and family in particular and so you had gms or coaches with their kids around them a lot of the time or even just without that just a kind of domestic uh, domesticated so i can't remember who it was but some someone was going to the fridge and getting something out of the fridge <laughs> yeah. just pottering around their business yeah. like oh, the nfl drafts going on and, and uh my other half sitting in front of his screen about to make a pick but i'm just gonna go uh, and uh, use the blender and make us a shake or whatever was going on so i i, I like that i think it worked ben i uh, know absolutely a hundred percent i'm not saying i'd want to see it every year obviously but everybody at the moment pretty much is kind of is stuck at home and having to kind of work around the restrictions and seeing even you know the number one draft pick or NFL head coaches and GMs being in the exact same situation where you might be trying to work and you've got a small child coming in disturbing you. It it personalized everything. And you were able to relate to these people in ways that you wouldn't have been doing if they were there with the Bellagio fountains, you know, being uh, being taken across um, a little lake. 2022, so, we can look forward to that. So, <laughs> so very unorthodox and surreal in, in some respects. And, and altogether different. But at the same time, you look at the first 10 picks and no massive surprise. Certainly the first eight, I think, completely logical. And, and you could really kind of pull down further. There, I know there are a number of players that re- really in the first 16 that could have interchanged, particularly the lower down you go. But there all this talking, the build up to it, getting a lot of heat and traction that the Dolphins were going to make a play from five to three for the Lions spot. This crazy suggestion that they were going to take an offensive tackle with that pick. Mm-hmm. We had Gettleman might be looking at, at trading the Giants pick down. The Redskins were suddenly worried about Dwayne Haskins. Were they going to take a quarterback? And all of this uh, stuff, whether it was smoke and mirrors or otherwise, didn't pan out. And the, the top seven, uh, eight made a huge amount of sense. The Dolphins doing what the fan base wanted and I think to widespread acclaim, uh, taking Tua, taking that gamble, if they even see it as that. Justin Herbert, I suppose that was the only major question mark. If the Chargers were big on Tua as well, then would Herbert be the one that fell or vice versa? But they, they took the plunge and took Justin Herbert there. Isaiah Simmons going to Cliff Kingsbury and the Cardinals. Again, just such a simpatico pick as well. So a lot of the opening made a huge amount of sense. Let's talk about next about the day one quarterbacks then, your, your second point. So uh, the day one quarterbacks that went Tua, of course, going uh, at number five overall and Justin Herbert at uh, number six. And then the the big shock uh, of the draft with the Green Bay Packers surprising many of us, although they were one of the teams that had been linked with him, taking Jordan Love as uh, the other quarterback to go in round one. But you think in, in each of those situations, Ben, they've landed in the right place. Yeah, none of these guys are stepping into a nightmare, which is sometimes the case with first-round quarterbacks. Um, Obviously, with the way the draft works, the worse you are, the earlier your pick. And quarterbacks are always at a premium, so they're more likely to go to those bad teams. With Burrow, obviously the the Bengals have got um, a lot of weaknesses, but they are clearly going to build around Burrow. And the first thing they did in the second round was draft T. Higgins from Clemson which, again, highlights how deep this draft is at wide receiver. So he's a great example of of a player that in almost any other year would have been a first-rounder, right? Absolutely. He could have been, in some years, he could have been, like, you know, picked in the top 20. So they've got a lot of good value there in those first 33 33 picks of the draft. They've got those two players. They've got two first-round talents, two known winners. They're already giving him a good weapon. T. Higgins will start on day one. As far as Tua Tungavailo is concerned, he doesn't need to start right away, um, which is obviously great for him, not just so he can learn the game, but because he's still going to be recovering from that injury. The Dolphins are clearly pointing up. I like the way that they've drafted this year. They Everything about the whole tank for Tua last year, and they, they didn't tank. They showed so much grit and hustle, even though they were lacking in talent. They were not lacking in desire and attitude, which is a really good sign 
for next season. They With were the Dolphins' first round, because so rich in uh, in many positions or certain positions, I should say, including tackle. That was, of course, one of the one of the positions that we'd identified as uh, uh, rich in a number of uh, players going in the first round. The Dolphins went Austin Jackson. Uh, from USC as their choice there. And then the final pick of the first round, they didn't do, uh, they didn't deal out any of them, which was a suggestion, of course, if they had traded up from five, that they would have probably, actually, no, they would have uh, split that pick and, and dealt one of their seconds. But nevertheless, they didn't deal out with any of the three picks. They took three players. Uh, was there a surprise with their third pick of the three, given the other cornerbacks on the board, that they went the way they did? Um, yeah, he wasn't, he wasn't up there with, um, kind of with, with my top selections. And if I were them, I would have, I would have actually stuck with offense. Um, but I do, I do like him. He wasn't necessarily the, like the best one there, but he's really, he's really feisty and he's a really good tackler. So I think he is going to be, he is going to be a nice fit. He's someone who can start pretty quickly. Um, he's got a lot of upside. He's only played two seasons at cornerback the one thing that i don't like is he's not really had many interceptions he had one college interception mm. and because he's feisty he has had quite a few pass interference calls he kind of gets a bit gets a bit handsy so not totally polished um but i think he's going to be he's going to be a starter pretty quickly i guess again because the draft capital they had throughout the draft but certainly in the in the higher rounds the dolphins were prepared to gamble and the tour pick is that whichever way you cut it? I mean, I, there is a gambling, whatever, you know, medical sign off he's had, there is always going to be a risk that if you're hit, uh, it, the type of injury you had, it, it, there could be a significant impact there. So they, but they didn't, didn't face him uh, to take him at five as well to take, to, to spend a pick there as opposed to, you know, 32 or, or, or lower. It, going back to the Packers and Jordan Love, which was one of the, the major stories, of course, of the first round and still is raging on. So the Packers taking, Love at 26, the Utah State quarterback, loads of buzz about him. Raw, more raw talent, I think, more of a developmental quarterback than uh, some of the others in, in the first round. The Saints were linked with him as well. So teams with aging quarterbacks that are maybe coming towards the end of their career, there was a, a suggestion that the Patriots were quite interested in him as well. Uh, and the Packers were a team linked with him. So there wasn't per se a, a huge surprise there. But when you think about it, Aaron Rodgers, Compared to say Drew Brees has, you would think, if uh, injury notwithstanding, a few more years in the tank. And there are so many different elements to this, right? The way that Rogers came into the Packers and sat under Favre for a while and was the heir apparent and they didn't particularly get on. And Favre eventually was the one that lost out on that battle, a Packers legend. And, and history could, of course, repeat itself with Jordan Love and Aaron Rodgers. Now, the thing is, there are going to be a lot of, um, on the surface, there's a lot of comparisons with the way that um, Rogers was drafted late in the first round by the Packers when they already had Brett Favre and Jordan Love now drafted late in the first round when they've already got Aaron Rodgers. But it's it's not quite the same because Rodgers fell into Green Bay's lap. There was talk of Rodgers going number one. So for him to fall at that point, Green Bay didn't trade up. He was there and it would have been crazy to not take him. He was just too incredibly talented to pass up. There was also the fear that Favre was going to step away from the game at that point. Now, with this, they made a point of trading up. The Packers, the Packers of 2020 are, are pushing more chips in on Jordan Love than the Packers did for Aaron Rodgers when he was drafted in 05, which is quite remarkable. If you draft someone in the first round, you are expecting them to be the starter within two years. Yeah. And that is a fact. Now, since Aaron Rodgers was selected 24th in, in 05, there have been 41 quarterbacks selected in the first round. 41. 40 of them were the starter within two seasons. The only one who wasn't was Paxton Lynch. Now, you cannot tell me, and I'm not saying that anyone is telling me, but you can't tell me that anyone at the Packers is thinking, oh, we'll get this, we'll trade up for this guy in the first round, but we don't intend to start him anytime soon. This this puts Rodgers on notice. And Rodgers does not play well with others, let's say. Right. You know, he, he, he's the, um, he, leads, he leads the league in interceptions that were not his fault and incompletions <laughs> that were not his fault. He's always had a chip on his shoulder about the fact that he fell. In the, in the 05 draft. And he's very different to Favre in that way. Favre is someone 
who, although very driven and a competitor, always seemed to love the fact that he was getting paid to play in the NFL, was getting paid to break records and do all these things and win a Super Bowl ring. They're very different characters, aren't they? I mean, very different styles of quarterback as well, but very different, very different characters. I mean, Favre is the the prototype of the good old boy quarterback, you know, the square jawed, rabble rousing, I'm going to, you know, lead, incredibly physical type player and, and a huge gambler as well, wasn't he? Whereas mm-hmm. Rogers is a bit un- more understated, more cerebral. He's definitely got fire in his, his belly. No doubt about that, but the different kind of, of player. He signed a four year extension in the summer of 2018, $134 million. That, mm-hmm. So that runs through his contract runs through the 2023 season. So kind of doing the maths here. Yeah. There's going to uh, not be a not dissimilar situation. And it, of course, Favre was different where he was flirting with retirement for a number of seasons and eventually the kind of Packers moved on. And it's a great point you make that Aaron Rodgers could have gone one in that draft, was falling down. Jordan Love was not going to go number one in this draft. So it's, it's, it's a different, different play here. And it is going to be interesting to see how that plays out. A lot of our listeners have got in touch with different questions and different thoughts about the draft so far. Gary, uh, what do you think Aaron Rodgers' attitude is going to be with the Packers trading up for a first-round quarterback? Uh, not great. <laughs> <laughs> not great, Bob. <laughs> but at the same time, he hasn't had a huge amount of competition, of course, uh, for the majority. Has he really had any kind of significant no, competition? No, not really. There? So... Uh, yeah, I mean, he'll he'll be professional about it. He will be seething inside, but he's you know he's not he's not going to get sort of like super petulant. He's not he's you know he's going to be doing and saying the right things. Someone had said to me, "Oh, it's gonna it's gonna really motivate him," and I'd said, I said, "He's so incredibly motivated. Anyway. I don't yeah. think he can be any more motivated than he is. That's the one he doesn't lack is motivation." Mm. So, I'm. Like Jordan Love will learn so much from being around Aaron Rodgers. Well, that's a point that actually another listener of ours, Martin Cattle, makes at the NC Show. If you want to get in touch with us, incidentally, he said Love's pick has been made for the future to learn from one of the best in the game, and and that is obviously the plan, right? But it depends how receptive Rodgers is 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 to that. I guess you've just by osmosis and just by close association, you're going to pick up a huge amount anyway. But it, that is predicated. I mean, Alex Smith is a great example here with. And of course, a different player, although intrinsically linked with Aaron Rodgers, because he was the one that did go number one overall in the draft that Rodgers fell. But Smith's relationship with Patrick Mahomes is not to be underestimated and was instrumental, I think, in in the speed of Mahomes' evolution because he was hands-on and prepared to support him. And I know that was different uh, for for, for obvious reasons, but it's not wildly different either. And I'm not sure Rodgers is going to necessarily, you know, apply that kind of fraternal big brother um, guiding him through every step. We, if you say, and again, whether we buy into this media image or this perception of him, and that is maybe unfair, and those closer to him would suggest otherwise, but that is the vibe that we get, isn't it? That he's not going to be that kind of quarterback here. No, and c- certain players have have come out who've left the Packers and spoken anonymously and said uh, he is incredibly difficult to get along with. He's not a friendly person. But... You don't always need it. You're right. It's not going to be a kind of fraternal thing. But if Jordan Love is in that quarterback room having to work with Aaron Rodgers all the time, Aaron Rodgers is probably the most talented quarterback of his generation. It is impossible for Jordan Love to not benefit from that. Um, there were going to be, there were going to be awkward moments, but there's, there's no way he won't learn from it. So the day one quarterbacks in a decent position, the Packers, Looking like they're expecting Jordan Love to be their starting quarterback. At least that's the statement they made by 2022 at the latest. Uh, and hey, it would be incredible if that happened uh, sooner. We love the whole logistic of the draft. So three key points down, seven to go. Let's go to the Raiders next. Oh. Um, because the Raiders are always a lot of fun on, on draft day. Although I was a little bit disappointed. We talked about the fans in the screen that Commissioner Goodell was, as you say, Vince McMahoning up. And the, the Raider Nation was obviously carefully selected, I think. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was disappointed it wasn't a little bit more Mad Max than it. Than it <laughs> yeah. Be. Um, the Raiders, Ben, you feel have had the most Raiders first three rounds possible. So talk, talk us through why you think the Raiders have lived up, lived up to type two first round picks, of course. And they went with Henry Ruggs, the first receiver off the board at number 12. Uh, and of course, Al Davis is looking, looking down from high above, <laughs> delighted with that pick given well, his uh, predilection. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing, right? If you woke up from a coma, right? And you didn't know that Al Davis had died. 
and you saw this draft, you think, oh, classic Al Davis. Ben, if you woke up from a coma, coma and you turned on this draft, you would think, what the hell is going on? And then it comes to Tom Brady and Grog. <laughs> what? what happened? But yeah, it's, it's like Al Davis was picking from beyond the grave. They, Henry Ruggs III was, uh, he was not the best wide receiver available at that point. Probably the third best wide receiver available, but they took him number one. Al Davis often had a draft board that was different to other teams, that other teams would agree on certain orders and he'd be like, nope. That guy's my guy. So the fact that the, the Raiders went with the incredibly fast wide receiver, uh, Henry Ruggs III, rather than CeeDee Lamb or Jerry Judy, just felt very Raiders. And but then, I think Mike Mayock has laid his cards on the table as well, right? With, with that last, last year's draft was a good example of that, that it was criticized. And I get that it still will be because Cleland Farrell hasn't lived up to, to that that higher pick particularly, but even with the Josh Jacobs pick, everything he did in the first round, everyone said, well, I don't know, as he reached up in each of these situations, these are the right picks for the Raiders, but he has real conviction. All GMs have conviction in their, in their decisions, but Mayock doesn't seem to be swayed by what it should be done, what the book says, what the mock drafts are saying, what the experts are saying in terms of the, the ranking of that particular player. He seems to be go out and get what he wants regardless and i respect that massively and he had come he had come into the draft saying that they really needed wide receivers and the fact that he then just kept taking wide receivers was an interesting decision i mean they took three potentially very exciting wide receivers because as as well as rugs they took lynn bowden jr who's played a lot of quarterback as well which means they could be doing some wildcat packages. Um, Edwards has second round talent, but he broke his foot a couple of months ago. So there's a little bit of a risk there. So they've got talent. Um, and away from offense with their 19th pick, it was Damon Arnett from Ohio State. Mm. And people, most teams didn't have him up so high. So he was one um, of the cornerbacks on the board. Yeah. And so he was, was he the second corner to go? I'm trying to think. Henderson yeah. Went, yeah, he was the second. Henderson went to the Jags at nine, of course. And then he was, he was number two. Yeah. And most people wouldn't have had him at number two. The, the biggest knock on him is being coachability that he's not good at taking coaching, that he can have a little bit of an attitude. Huh, Gruden and, will take care of that. Well, exactly. And Al Davis loved those guys of like, oh, this guy, this guy's a maverick. He's an outlaw. Yeah. He's yeah, a raider. Yeah. He's a raider. Um, you know, and Damon on is, is speedy too. So, he took potentially risky players, but players who've got very big upsides. He went for speed. He went for wide receivers who can make an impact. He went for exciting players. So Aldo would be very pleased with the way that Mayock did this. And it was just, like I said, it was just so Raiders. It was just the most Raiders thing ever. And I don't mean that in a bad way. Because a lot of people be like, oh yeah, the Raiders, they, you know, I mean, the, the Raiders, they're, they're a whole old slogan of commitment to excellence. It sounds a little bit of a joke now because they've, they've not been postseason contenders, but this is a, this is a franchise with a tradition of excellence. So that is all, that's all from Al Davis. And this really felt like Mayock, even more than last year, having his Al Davis moment. And I'm, I'm glad it happened. I'm glad that there is the, that teams can have that sort of personality. The Raiders then winners in Ben Isaac's book by the sound of it. I'm with you as well. I like the fact that they have followed the history that, but at the same time stay true to themselves with the, with the Mayock MO and, and some exciting players with a huge amount of upside. It seems like always like teams that draft multiple receivers. Uh, and <laughs> yeah. That's what the Raiders and They didn't just do multiple the receivers in consecutive picks because they had two picks in a row. Yeah. Two wide receivers, please. I saw somebody suggested they might do that in the first round, which would have been awesome, but uh, disappointed that they didn't. Uh, a team that did take a receiver in the first round were the Minnesota Vikings, one of the teams that took a receiver in the first round. Of course, they weren't the only one. And Justin <laughs> Jefferson, uh, the LSU receiver, went to him at, uh, went to them rather at 22. Huge value there. Uh, seems a bit of a, a steal uh, to me. And overall, you like what the Vikings have done in the draft then? Yeah, to me, they won day one. Um, Thursday night, they just knocked out of the park to kind of mix the sports metaphors. Nice. Justin Jefferson is an outstanding wide receiver. And I, you, you'll have everyone, everyone who listens to your podcast will have heard me say a million times, there is so much depth at wide receiver this year. Mm. <clears throat> and Justin Jefferson going at number 22 
tells you all you need to know about that because he's incredibly talented and in other years would have been, you know, a top 10 guy. They got him at 22 and then they had the number 31 picked and that was Jeff Gladney, who is probably the second best cornerback as far as I'm concerned. Um, those are two players who will start on day one. Jefferson is going to be just absolutely outstanding in the slot. Kirk Cousins is going to love him. Um, and the thing is, is they didn't just get these guys. They were able to trade from 25 to 31 to take Gladney. They wanted Gladney. They were able to move back and get extra mid-round picks to stock up. So in kudos. To make, and then and luck, well, luck, but fortuitous in the sense that uh, it'd been again, it went to the Finns. And as we said earlier on, that was, you know, maybe the right fit for them, but a little bit uh, of a reach. And uh, and uh, Arnett going to the Raiders as well at 19 when a lot of, predicted boards didn't have either of them going ahead of Gladney. Yeah, yeah. No. Real, real fortuitous play for, for the Vikings there. Yeah, and getting that, and because Rick Spielman, the GM in Minnesota, has shown kind of what a savvy operator he is in the draft, them getting those extra mid-round picks to move down six spaces, you would expect him to get good value in those as well. So when you've got a guy who was able to get the right players at good positions, and acquire extra draft picks, which he's then going to use to just further stock that roster. The Vikings, to me, have put themselves kind of like in the leader's position in the NFC North, kind of almost overnight. The I've got a mailbag quickly, actually. Aaron Edwards. Hey, Aaron, at the NC Show, if you do want to get in touch with us, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. What are your thoughts on Seattle taking a linebacker in the first round? So Jordan Brooks, the Texas Tech linebacker, going to the Seahawks at 27. What kind of player are the Seahawks getting there, Ben? Um, he's just the sort of player that, that they like to do with the, with the, with the defenses that they have had when they have been successful. He's that sort of fit in that he's kind of a, he's a, he's a rangy, he's a rangy guy who can play on, play on the edge and get pressure on the quarterback. It was a, it was a position of need. They need, they need a pass rush guy. He had his up, he had his ups and downs. I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna lie to you there, but he's got massive upside. Are you surprised um, that they didn't go Patrick Queen, who went one slot below them to, to Ravens at 28? Cause he was getting a lot of buzz coming into the draft. He was, but this, like, I cannot argue with the Daryl Taylor pick because if you see some of his highlights, the kind of the, the burst that he has, um, very kind of very explosive. His issue is kind of, he's, He's very strong kind of up against, up against those guards, but he, if he, he can get kind of caught in a block, but he does remind me of the sort of, the sort of linemen and linebackers that they've kind of built those sort of smaller, speedy defenses in Seattle. I do like, I do like the pick. Um, he's a very good, he's very good with his hands. Um, and I think uh, Pete Carroll has, Pete Carroll has shown that he, he likes those guys. So, I would, I would actually give that a thumbs up. I know it kind of a lot of people are like, mm, I like him. Another one from Michael. Are the Broncos the winner of the offseason? Brought in starters in free agency, including AJ Boye. Uh, Glasgow as well went there, didn't he? And then uh, two dynamic wide receivers, including Jerry Judy. Judy falling uh, to the Broncos. John Elway was very happy about that. They're building an offense around Drew Locke. He seems to be the quarterback they are pinning their their hopes on and they've had a lot of issues of course in recent years with finding that starter finding that that franchise quarterback to build the team around but they are nailing their colors to the mask on Drew Locke and uh, not just of course by giving him the starting gig and the vote of confidence but by arming him with receivers is it a case do you think of the Broncos 15 Jerry Judy fell to. We're looking at, I think we've got to take Judy because he's still on the ball. Were they looking for a receiver, you think, irrespective of which one was going to go there because it was such a deep class? Do you reckon they, they pivoted their game plan because Judy was available? What do you make of the Judy pick? I think, I think they wanted receivers and I think that, I think the Broncos are putting together the ideal offense for Drew Luck and the same can be said for the, the Colts and Phil, in Philip Rivers, but to talk about the Broncos, Getting Jerry Judy at 15 is an absolute steal. I know some people preferred C.D. Lamb, but Jerry Judy at 15 is great value. Then they took a wide receiver in the next round, K.J. Hamler of Penn State. So they got him at number 46. Now, opinions are mixed on him. He's he's a smaller guy, but he's a, he's a high-risk, high-reward sort of player. Some durability issues. 
Um, you don't want him to kind of get hit quite too much, but he is, he is a fast guy. And I think you having Drew Locke, having, having Hamler and Judy as fresh new receivers is going to be a dream come true for him. I want to, I want to mention the Colts because I like Michael Pittman Jr., the receiver that they drafted. I absolutely love the Wisconsin running back they took, Jonathan Taylor, in, in the, in the second round. Now it's, it can be difficult drafting running backs because they sort of feel like 10 a penny, but he had such an outstanding career at Wisconsin. He's, I'm not going to put him in the kind of in the, in the Zeke Elliott sort of mold, obviously, but he is, he's kind of a rung below Zeke Elliott. Yeah. And there's the, the, the rung that comes below that is, you know, there's, there's, there's a gap, but he is on that next tier. And I think they can get an outstanding four years out of him. Philip Rivers will be able to hand the ball off to him a lot, as well as finding Michael Pittman Jr. I don't know if the Broncos won the offseason, but I really like what they're doing for Drew Locke. Yeah, Taylor going at 41 overall, ninth in the second round, the second running back to go off the board. DeAndre Swift, the first, of course, but neither going in the first round. Swift going to the Lions uh, with the third pick. Finally, the Lions uh, might have some kind of running game. I'm sure uh, Marek uh, and uh, Sam Tai, friends of the show uh, and big Lions fans will be uh, happy about that pick. I know Marek was keen for them to to look at Swift. A surprise, maybe the Dolphins didn't go there. Uh, they uh, uh, could have done, of course, uh, with any of their three first round picks. And maybe they were hoping that Swift uh, was going to fall to them at seven. But he he didn't. The Ben, let's look at day two then, second or third rounds. So if you feel that the Vikings won day one, which team do you think won day two? Um, there were a lot of disagreements here. Lots of people have got their opinions, but I would I would give it to the Ravens, and that's partly because they had so many picks in the second and third rounds. But I really love what they did with them, and they injected a lot of new young talents. J.K. Dobbins, you loved before, and you said was. Oh be, yeah, you, you singled him out as a player to keep an eye on. So he's fallen there. Yeah, I mean, having him being able to kind of work with Mark Ingram um, as a, as running backs for Lamar Jackson's offense, it just seems like a, a match made in heaven. I think that will be fantastic. Um, Devin Duvernay, um, wide receiver, he's. He's an excellent, he's a, he's a possession receiver. He's not kind of a, a kind of a game breaker, but just another, another thing for Lamar Jackson. Like Lamar Jackson doesn't even need that much help, but I feel they've made it, they've made a team that perhaps should have done better in the postseason and made it absolutely outstanding. I'm, I'm really, I'm really excited to see the defensive players they picked as well. I think Malik Harrison of Ohio State, who was, um, late in the third round is a, is a really good, value guy um he's a linebacker yeah interesting to see how he kind of how he works with patrick queen but yeah Mm -hmm. to me the ravens seem to just stock so many fantastic fantastic players in that in the second and third round because i I was not um i was not surprised they took patrick queen which you know just seems like an an obvious one for them a very ravens pick wasn't it very very ravens i mean he's he's not he's not ray lewis but he's a really good kind of sideline to sideline guy brainy linebacker but yeah that was round one but yeah they they've had they had so many in the second and third rounds that even if they'd just been okay they would have they would have stocked up but i think they did really well with pretty much every single pick all right let's talk about one of the other major stories uh, that has gone down in the draft so far and i think it's a, a real surprise on a number of different levels and we talked about the quarterbacks that we expected to go in the first round and all three did right there were no uh, sorry all four did there were no uh, real surprises there I guess Jordan Love was the only one that uh, there was a question mark of whether he'd go first round overall but then this second tier of quarterbacks differing levels I think of progression and NFL readiness and one of those most divisive out of all of that group was Jalen Hurts, who was the former Alabama quarterback, the former Alabama starter, who lost his starting gig, as you pointed out on the show last week, Ben, to, to Tua, uh, and then pivoted over to Oklahoma and, and rebuilt his career there and showed a huge amount of strength of character as a result of that. A lot of people love his moxie, his uh, his attitude, that he's, he's a fighter and he's a winner. But no doubt about it, but Jalen Hurts to go 53rd overall, 20, the 21st pick of the second round 
and going to the Philadelphia Eagles raised a huge amount of collective eyebrows uh, <sighs> for all kinds of reasons. The fact he went that high, the fact he's gone to Philly, what does that mean for Carson Wentz? What are the Eagles doing with this pick? What do you make of it all? Help us work it out, Ben. Well, I really like Jalen Hurts. Um, and I was hoping maybe he could, he could fall to the third round, which is where I thought he'd go. And maybe the, maybe the Bears could get him. Um, I am stunned by this. I'm absolutely stunned he's gone so high. Although I get why, um, teams would like his upside. I am, I'm stunned that the Eagles would do it. And it, to me, it says the Eagles are worried about Carson Wentz. Yeah. And if the Eagles worried about Carson Wentz, then if you're an Eagles fan, you would better be very worried about Carson Wentz now. They've got needs all over that roster. And instead they drafted a guy who could be a potential starter somewhere in the next couple of years. Now I've seen some people speculate they're going to use him like Taysom Hill. I do not buy that at all. Taysom Hill mm. gets like 10 to 15 snaps a game. Are you going to use a second round pick on someone who gets 10 to 15 snaps a week? It is worth putting out in the Eagles defense. Uh, it's worth pointing out their next pick after that was 103rd, right? So yeah. they, if they, if they, if, if he's projected a late second round or third round pick, most people's boards had him as a third round pick, right? Jalen Hurts. Yeah. If he was projected there and they were, there's a huge amount of confidence and conviction from the Eagles. This is, this is a guy that when he's not going to fall to us in round three, we really, really like him. He's a great character. He's got a huge amount of upside potential here. Let's go and get him. Is it that crazy a pick? Are we, are we joining the dots a bit too readily here to say, well, uh, or what is, what are the concerns about Carson Wentz? They're saying it's, it's the durability. He's never been the same after the injury. They've got health concerns. I don't necessarily think it's as ludicrous a pick for that reason. It's not like they're one of those teams that had, you know, three or four uh, picks in the second or third round, like the Ravens, for example, and, and, and could have definitely got their man a little bit lower. If they really wanted him, Ben, they might thought, well, he's not going to fall to us in the next round. So we've got to get him now. I, I think it's fascinating that they really wanted him. I'm, I'm with you 100%. I think they did really want him. And it's, it's, it's like I've said about Mitch Trubisky in the past where the Bears traded up to get him, rightly or wrongly. That was, that was the person they wanted. They were all in on Mitch Trubisky and would do what they could to make it a success. Mm. And that to me is how the Eagles are about this because. And that's gone well. <laughs> yeah. Well, ex- exactly. But you know, it's like you, you know, you show your conviction rather than just like, Oh, okay. Yeah. We'll just take this guy. I'm they, a believer in that. I, 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 I buy that. And I don't want to labor the point about Mayock, but I like that style. I think that, you know, there are experts everywhere. There, uh, there is obviously a, 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 a limit to this in terms of, of reaching, but if this is the player you want, even if other boards have him 10, 15 further down, if that's the guy you want, then take him. You know yeah. your team better than anyone else. Yeah, no, absolutely. And they will have, they will have spent a lot of time talking to Jalen Hurts, a lot of time watching every single snap that he took at Alabama and Oklahoma, where he was fantastic for both teams. It was only, it was only kind of right at the end of, um, at Alabama where he had, where he lost his spot. And that was like, it, you know, that was in, in the postseason. Going to 53, I'm surprised. But this happens with quarterbacks all the time, going higher than, than we might expect. It's, it's what it says about Wentz, that they, they like Jalen Hurts so much that they are going to take him at, at 53, even though they've just given Carson Wentz 128 million. Like, they need wide receivers and they, they did take one in the first round. Okay. But that, that was just like, okay, good start. And then to follow up with a quarterback, they're only going to put one quarterback on the field at a time. And it does make me feel that they, they have, they know that Carson Wentz cannot finish a season. They've, they've obviously done well with, with backups over the last few years. You know, <laughs> just look at, look at what they did with Nick Foles. Right. So I trust their judgment on who's going to, on who's going to back up Carson Wentz. Um, Josh McCown did a fantastic job, just couldn't quite get them a playoff win, but that's, you know, I'm not going to criticize him for that. If Jalen Hurts is who they think he is, then that means they think he's going to be a starter there. Yeah, I mean, the comparisons have been made with Russell Wilson. Of course, Wilson was a third-round pick when, uh, in the 70s when he was drafted. And a lot of comparisons, I think, have been made about the overall character as well as the, the style of play as well. And the fact that when Wilson was drafted anyway and was a prospect. He was not considered the finished article, hence why he was drafted in, in the third round. Kurt Warder made that comparison 
after the Eagles made the pick last night. What do you make of that? Do you think that, I mean, that's obviously the perfect upside, right? If he ends up, if he ends up being Russell Wilson, I think they're going to be quite yeah. happy with that. But there's similarities beyond the obvious of a lower round quarterback that uh, people like in terms of character that see there is potential in terms of skill set, but it represents a bit of a risk or at least a developmental prospect. Yeah. I mean, I would say another, another connection with Russell Wilson is that they both, they both transferred to other universities so they could get even more experience, not because they, they hadn't been able to get games. They had both been starting and then both finished their career very well in a completely different part of the country playing a full season at, at a major program. So these guys are competitors. And to flip back to Trubisky, Trubisky is someone who came in with a very, very short CV in terms of starts, whereas Russell Wilson did not. Jalen Hurts did not. These guys have got a lot of mental upside, but have also got lots and lots of experience. Very intelligent players who process the game very well, got a lot of physical skills, you know, it's it's kind of generous to say that Jalen Hurts is a is a Russell Wilson, but there's more there's more upside on the surface to Jalen Hurts now than there was to Russell Wilson on the day he was drafted. So yes, they'll be thrilled if he becomes another Russell another Russell Wilson. He doesn't need to be a Russell Wilson to be a success, and I do think he's got the ability to be a success with the right team. I worry that the Eagles are not the right team for him because this is a team that does not seem committed to helping their quarterbacks. They seem committed to replacing their quarterbacks. Yeah. They should have they should have been drafting offensive weapons. They're just so thin at wide receiver that if Carson Wentz gets hurt in preseason and Jalen Hurts starts in day one, who is he throwing the ball to on a consistent basis? That's my issue. Well, Jalen Rieger, apparently, which was uh, a bit of a head-scratcher as well. That, uh, yeah, that doesn't thrill me. Yeah, and he was uh, a receiver that certainly was ended up going higher than, than the projections had suggested. All right, Ben, three rounds down, eight of your points down, two more to go. Let's talk about the remaining quarterbacks that didn't go on the first two days. Which of them are the most interesting as far as you're concerned? In terms of talent, I think it's going to be Jacob Eason and Jake Fromm. These, in fact, not just these are the two best quarterbacks who didn't get picked. These are the two best players who didn't get picked in the first two days. And some people say you should draft a quarterback every year. So it'll be intriguing um, when we find out who actually picks these guys. So let's compare Jake Fromm to someone like Mitch Trubisky, who I I keep bringing up. So Jake Fromm, quarterback um, from Georgia. Now, Trubisky is very athletic, strong arm, but reads the field very slowly and has accuracy issues. Fromm is the absolute opposite. He's pedestrian when it comes to his arm and his body movement, but he's exceptionally accurate and he's a brainy quarterback. Now, coaches know they can't teach athleticism. You know, you couldn't get Mike Vick and teach him to play like Mike Vick. You can't teach athleticism and arm talent. So they're going to worry about Fromm's upside because they already know the things that he can do and the things he can't do, they're not convinced they can get him to do. Whereas with someone like Trubisky, they'll have seen his raw talent, his athletic ability and all those things and think, okay, we can coach him into being a very intelligent on-field player who makes great decisions. And that has not been the case. I really like Jake Fromm. He's, I'm, I keep saying I want to reclaim the phrase game manager. He's a game manager in the same way Joe Burrow is also a bit of a game manager. Joe Burrow is a better quarterback than, than Jake Fromm, but I think he's a really intriguing quarterback. I'm more interested in him than, than Jacob Eason, who I think has a lot of accuracy issues. He's got upside, but he's got quite a low ceiling. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited. I'm excited for Jake Fromm because I think he's someone who could have a really good NFL career and that doesn't sound exciting like a really good NFL career but someone who could be a starter for a for quite a while all right 10th point and it is the New England Patriots it isn't Bill Belichick's dog that appeared uh, at one point <laughs> looking like he was going to be making the pick again one of the great images of uh, the first couple of days but the Patriots who, who dealt out of their first round they did a deal with the Chargers they did not have a second round pick at the time so they as the Patriots often do, of course, stockpiled value in lower rounds than the first. But that uh, deal enabled them to take, uh, get a decent second round uh, pick, 37th overall. And they used it, Ben, on quite a surprising choice, didn't they? Yeah. If you don't know Kyle Duggar yet, you soon will. 
um, because I think he's going to have such a fantastic impact. Um, a few months back, um, I was on the radio with you and we were talking about draft sleepers. And this was someone I, I brought up. And I think I said that, oh, you know, he could, he could go in, he could go in the first, first three rounds. And I wasn't a hundred percent sure he was going to go in the first three rounds. So I was very pleased to be proved right. Huh. He played, he played his college football at Lenoir Rhine. And if you've not heard of that university, I'm going to completely forgive you for that. They play in division two. He didn't get, he didn't get much interest from the, from any universities when he was in high school because he didn't, he didn't start for very long, but he's a perfect fit for Bill Belichick and the Patriots. He's like a mini wrecking ball. Lots to prove, but he's got the brains and the attitude for it. He's a very dynamic athlete. When he played, when he was at the senior bowl, he wowed people so much then. And that, that was not a surprise. Mm. He's a, he's a, he's a good tackler. Um, he's got to work on his work on his coverage. Um, you know, he was able to get to the ball very easily, but he, that was a, that was a division two. Now I've got every faith in the Patriots and Bill Belichick that they aren't just going to be like, Oh, look, you know, he's making hay against these, you know, no mark colleges. They can, they can see what they can see where the true talent is. Yeah. Um, he's got that sort of that, that work ethic and attitude that the, you know, Bill Belichick will, will respect and tries to impose on the players who don't have it anyway. Um, he's very versatile. He's a fantastic defender and he's unpolished, admittedly, but he's going to get that polish with Bill Belichick and he's going to be, He's going to be a name. He's going to be a name. And you'll, you'll always know Lenoir Ryan University because of this. I expect at least 10% of Patriots fans to be getting Lenoir Ryan merchandise <laughs> yeah. if uh, he plays out, as you suggest he might. Uh, yeah, great insight to, to be calling him all those weeks ago. Uh, and the Patriots taking him uh, with their first pick of the 2020 draft. Uh, vindicating your faith in him and absolutely uh, the definition of a sleeper pick there. Uh, loving your work as ever, Ben Isaacs. Great stuff. You need to get some kit because you've had two nights on the bounce. Yeah. The wee small hours. So get some rest and come and check in with us soon, man. Yeah. It all starts again pretty soon. Uh, looking forward to it. Take care, bud. <laughs> Cheers, guys. Bye. Cracking stuff from Ben. The rest of the rounds playing out, of course, Saturday night. So we are back next week to talk to you about that and to take stock of all that has happened over the last couple of days. Two terrific guests lined up for you on the pod next week. Tom Deakin and Neil Reynolds, no less. So make sure if you haven't already sub to us, you will not miss a trick. Thanks to all of you. You've got your questions in via social media at the NC Show, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Keep those coming in. We'll do our best to answer them on platform or on the show. We'll see you next week. Bye for now. Sports Social Podcast Network.